Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 213 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. We got a great show for you today, people. It is Monday, and I'll be honest, the College, Hoop week, college Hoops weekend came and went, and I don't know that there was an A++ story that we have to lead with. I really do wish somebody would get caught on wiretap. I wish Will Wade would do something so I'd have something to lead the show with. A lot of, I think, kind of little topics that we'll get into today. Uh, I, I will probably end up starting with Louisville, who again did not look good. Hate to brag, I told you that a month and a half ago. People yelled at me, told me I was coming out with hot takes. I really wasn't. Louisville is in trouble. They lose again to Florida State. Obviously, Kentucky, the Ashton Hagens news. We'll get into that a little bit. Do want to touch on Memphis. I saw, speaking of hot takes, that Memphis, so many people are saying, oh, Memphis, their season is over. They're not that good. They lost to Georgia. I don't buy that at all. I think Memphis is going to be fine. We'll touch on Michigan State, who is quietly turning into the juggernaut that we were expecting in the preseason. Maybe wrap on San Diego State. I know we don't. This is the first time we've ever talked San Diego State Aztecs on this show, but they won again on Saturday night to improve to 15 and 0. And I'm just telling you right now, the can San Diego State finish the undefe- finish the regular season undefeated season. Finish the regular season undefeated talk. How's that? I tripped over my tongue there a few times. Will San Diego State finish the regular season undefeated? I think that talk is about to start. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's going to start. So we'll get into a little bit of that. Like I said, kind of a potpourri type show. I don't know that there's an A++ lead topic, but we're going to get into a lot of little topics from throughout the week. And then we're going to go into a monster week of college basketball because this is the week conference play starts. I was looking at the schedule. We got Ohio State, Maryland this week, uh, Kentucky at Georgia. We got Villanova at Creighton. We got Baylor at Texas Tech, which is a match of two teams that should be in the top 20 come the new poll. So a lot to get into on today's show, and then we got a great week ahead of games and stuff to talk about. So next, the next episode is going to be awesome, even though uh, who, who the heck knows what's going to happen between now and then. Before we get started, I do want to remind everybody, please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. We can do it on iTunes. You can do it on Podcast Addict. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict is the place to download this show. Uh, that's where I download this show because I have an Android. Yes, I download my own show. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. I will tell you this. A few days ago, Rico Pico 780 said AT Podcast is a fantasy. AT, you give some controversial takes, but you're always right because you see through the fanfare and hype and see the flaws, like Louisville, for example. 
Your takes are absolutely fantastic, and your show is interesting. That was from Rico Pico. I got one, another review today, which honestly was maybe my favorite review that I've ever gotten. No disrespect to everybody else who's done it, but this came from Yes, Yes, Maybe, who says, AT is my co-pilot. And this is his exact, this is verbatim. I'm not, I'm not making this up. It's on the iTunes page. He said, AT is my co-pilot. I spend much of my time driving on the corridor between Seattle and Portland. I spend hours sitting in traffic each week. Thank God for this podcast. While I don't agree with all of his takes, each makes me sit back and think. Some takes I want to put in a diary so I can quote during sports debates with my boys. Well, first of all, you can always email me. I'll write them out for you. I want you to win those debates. That's all we do here is win. Like the, the stupid Louisville thing that I won, everybody else was wrong, neither here nor there. But anyways, to finish the review, he says, very entertaining and well thought out in research. Looking forward to hitting the road in 2020 with this podcast as my co-pilot. I only wished it was daily, so I didn't have to search for other podcasts to listen to. That's from Carl in Washington. So thank you to Carl. Very, very nice of you to say uh, thank you to Rico Pico. Very nice to say. And I genuinely appreciate it. The show is continuing to grow week after week, month after month. And it's because of you guys. It's because you share the show. It's because you give feedback. It's because you do all these things. So thank you for that. Reminder. Also make sure to subscribe on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. By the way, hate to brag, put up a bunch of picks, uh, gambling picks on Saturday morning. Basically, I went three for four, but really three for three because I picked uh, West Virginia to cover, Florida State to cover against Louisville, and um, Georgia Tech to cover against UNC. All three of those hit. The only one I missed on was Memphis, uh, which we found out right before the game their second leading scorer, DJ Jeffries, wasn't going to play. So all I did was hand out picks. They're on the Instagram page. If you want college basketball picks, I'll start doing them more as we get deeper into the season. Make sure you're subscribed to the Instagram page as well, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. And finally, if you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. All right, let's get into it. And oh, I should probably mention, by the way, I am recording here on Sunday night. By the time most of you listen to this, uh, Tua Tonga Viola will have announced what his college or what his decision is. He has a press conference set for Monday at, I believe, it's 11 Central Time, which is obviously noon Eastern, where he will announce his college decision. Long story short, I don't really have any updates from last episode. Um, listen, I, I talked to all my people again. They still believe that he is going to stay in college, come back to Alabama for another year. If you missed last episode, I really went in depth on that, what I had heard about this, and that I truly believe that as of the day of the Citrus Bowl, the plan was for Tua Tonga Viola to come back to college. Now again, it's been six days since the game. He's been away from the team. Maybe an agent gets in there. Maybe he goes to see another doctor for another opinion, and that doctor says, you'll be ready on this timeline. You should go pro. But if I had to bet, I would guess that Tua will return to Alabama, which will set up a fascinating offseason. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, by the time you listen to this, I could be 100% wrong on that, by the way, but it will be announced around noon Eastern time on Monday. By the way, also... Quick shout out to all the Titans fans that we have listening to this show because I'll tell you this, we, we get analytics on this show 
and Tennessee has the number two most download. The, the number two, the, the number two most downloads comes from the state of Tennessee. So I know I got a lot of Titans fans that listen to this show. Congratulations on the win on Saturday night. I will tell you this: I was on Fox Sports Radio when the game went final. Really fun time to be on Fox Sports Radio. If you want to listen to AT talk a little Tom Brady and, and the Patriots. Go find my uh, Fox Sports Radio weekend uh, podcast. I did it with Arnie Spanier. It was actually on my Twitter feed from this weekend. But I do talk a lot of Patriots and Titans. But congrats to the Titans fans. And uh, I'm kind of amazed with this Tom Brady stuff. I really am. And I I don't really talk NFL on this podcast. But I obviously follow the NFL like you all do. And I'll tell you, I think this Tom Brady is definitively leaving the Patriots for maybe the LA Chargers. I don't know that I buy that. I still think that Tom Brady, his best chance to continue to win at a high level is to stay in New England. I still think New England's best chance to win at a high level is to keep Tom Brady. I know it's easy to say you got to get rid of Tom Brady, but who the heck is Bill Belichick going to go into week one with as quarterback next year if Tom Brady leaves? So that's just my little two cents. I did like three hours on it on Fox Sports Radio. Go find that podcast if you're interested. You can find it on the Fox Sports Radio Weekend shows uh, page, and I did it with Arnie Spanier on Saturday night. But congratulations to the Titans fans. We got a lot that listened to the show. All right, let's get into it. No more NFL talk. I'm not going to be a fake NFL analyst. I'm not Adam Schefter. I'm not Ed Werder. I'm not Jay Glazer. I'm Aaron Torres, and I'm talking college basketball. And to me, if there was a lead topic from this weekend, and I'm not positive that there was, it might be, heck, it might be San Diego State as they continue to pursue being undefeated. There was no like monumental upsets, Villanova lost, Memphis lost, Oregon lost on Thursday. To me, this is just my personal opinion, the biggest story of the weekend was Louisville losing at home to Florida State. Third loss in the last three games against Power 5 opponents. They obviously lost to Kentucky last weekend. They lost to Texas Tech back in the middle of December. And this continues a disturbing trend. Now, before we get into Louisville, I do want to give a quick shout out to Florida State. I'd be remiss if I didn't give credit to Florida State because I know in my position where I've gotten crushed by Louisville fans for a month because I said I told them their team isn't very good, it'd be easy for me to go in on them. But when I went back and watched the game on Sunday morning, I really saw what I saw was a very, very, very good Florida State team. And if you follow college basketball, and I'm guessing you do if you listen to this show, they're very similar to years past. They, they, everybody's 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". They're switchable on defense. They play great defense. They can uh, take people off the dribble. They can shoot really well. And I just saw a really good team in Florida State. And that's a team that they're going to be in the top 15 come Monday. They lost on opening night to, uh, I forget who, it was an ACC opener. And then they also lost more recently at Indiana. But other than that, they've won 13 games. They've beaten Florida They've beaten Tennessee. They've beaten Purdue. And so that's a really good team. So I do want to give the Florida State Seminoles their proper credit. But the story sometimes is the loser, right? I just talked about the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans. And while we got a lot of Titans fans that listen to this show, the story coming out of the Titans game is that the Patriots lost. And the story coming out of Florida State Louisville is that Louisville lost. And so I hate to brag, but I tried to tell you a month ago. I tried to say it. I didn't think I was giving out hot takes. I just watched that game against Texas Tech, and I said two things. I said that team does not have a playmaker off the dribble. They don't have an Ashton Hagens, a Tyrese Maxey, a a Trey Jones, um, a a Cassius Winston. They don't have that guy. And I said when Jordan Nora doesn't score 20 points, they can lose to anybody. 
and I said they were, quote, not very good after the Texas Tech loss. And I got crushed by Louisville fans who were like three days straight. My Twitter mentions were just a freaking grease fire. Kyle Tucker, who covers the University of Kentucky, came after me. Oh, you're just shitting on them for attention. Man, screw you, Kyle Tucker. And I'd say that to your face too, bro. I don't, I don't do hot takes. And by the way, I put this out there, and it's true. If you follow me on Twitter, at Aaron underscore Torres, I said this, and it's a fact. I don't do hot takes. Aaron Torres does not do hot takes. I can just see into the future. I don't do hot takes. I can just see into the future. By the way, when I do get the Aaron Torres merch like John Rothstein's got going, that's going on a t-shirt. I don't do hot takes. I can just see into the future. But in reality, what it really is is two things. One, unlike a lot of media, I actually do my homework. I actually watch games. We talked about it a lot with the Arkansas game the other day. I actually get people on the phone. I actually talk to people who have played these teams. I actually re-watch the games the following day to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, I actually understand the sports that I'm covering. I'm not saying that I'm Phil Jackson and I can diagram the perfect out-of-bounds play, but like I understand what I'm watching. And so I never thought it was a hot take. The other thing is I'm not afraid to say anything unpopular. It's easy to say right now after Louisville's lost three straight games to power conference teams, oh, well, they... They don't have any playmakers off the dribble. Yeah, no shit they don't. I was trying to tell you that a month ago, but everyone was saying AT has hot takes. I don't have hot takes. Guys, it's not a hot take. One, if you believe it. Two, if it comes from a place of research. Three, if it's factually correct. And so we saw it again from Louisville over the weekend. We saw they played another really good defensive team, and I'll defend Louisville a little bit because Florida State can really get after you on defense, and they're going to make a lot of people look bad. But Louisville was a team that we thought in the preseason was a national championship contender. I was one of them. I had them at number three in my preseason poll, and I said, I think they make the Final Four. I think they get to Atlanta. I think they potentially compete for a national championship. And so when that is the barometer, when that is the expectation coming into the year, when they are one of the favorites in the ACC, which is traditionally the best conference of college basketball, and you lose three straight to power conference teams, and you're at home even if Florida State's in the top 20, that's a game you're supposed to win. And they didn't. They lost the third straight. I tried to tell you six weeks ago, five weeks ago, they're not very good. And I got absolutely crushed for it. And Torres has hot. No, I don't have hot takes. I just do my homework. I just do research. I just watch games. And I, more often than not, I'm right. That's why they call me Nostra Torres. And so I think we're at a fascinating point with this Louisville basketball program for a couple different reasons. Um, one, and this is the part that's kind of tough about my job, is I'm going to be critical of some college kids right now. I think there are some veterans on that team that Chris Mack likes, that Chris Mack wants to keep playing, and I don't think that they're good enough to play at this level. And again, I hate to do it, and I hate to be critical of certain kids, but there's a couple guys that they just can't perform at this level. And again, the problems for Louisville are very simply... They don't have guards that can create off the dribble. They don't have anybody that can score besides Jordan Wara. And so right now they keep running out the same guys and they keep getting the same production. And again, I don't mean to be critical of a 17, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old, but they're playing big boy college basketball. They're on a big stage. I'm sure in Louisville, guys like my buddy Nick Coffey are talking about them. I'm sure in Lexington, guys like my buddy Matt Jones are talking about these guys. And I just think there are some guys that can't play. There's a kid named Darius Perry who's a junior. I'm sure he's a very nice kid. Chris Mack talked about him on this podcast. But two of seven shooting against Florida State the other day for six points, five points against Kentucky, two points against Texas Tech. I don't know if this guy can play at that level. 
Ryan McMahon. I know he's a great story, and for people who don't know, and I don't know how you couldn't know because it's been on these broadcasts forever, but Dick Vitale, yes, that Dick Vitale, discovered him. Dick Vitale was at a high school game in Florida, called Rick Pitino and said, you got to sign this guy. This guy can play. And early in his career, he played a very defined role. He came off the bench and shot threes. Well, right now, he's not making threes. 0 for 3 against Florida State from behind the arc. 1 for 5 against Kentucky behind the arc. 2 for 6 against Texas Tech behind the arc. I'm not very good at math, but what is that? Uh, 3 for 14 in the three biggest games that they've played? And so I don't know what Chris Mack does about that. I don't think those guys can play at this level. And I'm not saying that you, you run them off and you take away their scholarships and all that stuff, but I do think this is kind of a, as we look ahead to what Louisville is going to do going forward, I do think this is kind of a come-to-Jesus moment for Chris Mack in terms of how he runs his program. And this is not to say that Chris Mack, Chris Mack knows his roster better than I will. I'll never criticize a coach for X's and O's and he and act like I know more than other guys do about their players, about things that happen behind the scenes. But, and I'm certainly not saying that Chris Mack's a bad coach or he's not getting the job done. That guy's a star. And that guy, listen, if you like Louisville, if you hate Louisville, if you like Kentucky, you hate, you hate Kentucky, you like Duke, whoever you root for, I'm just telling you right now, Chris Mack is going to win a national championship, maybe more than one. So this is not me saying that he's a bad coach, but I think he has a very interesting kind of come to Jesus moment with this program, and I'll tell you why. It's because, as I've said a few times, they don't have guys that can make plays right now, and I think they're in a very precarious situation that a lot of programs find themselves in, which is this. Does he play his highly touted freshmen, even though they make one mistake after the other after the other? Because they, by the end of the season, will give him his best chance to win? Or does he try to continue to play the veterans who are giving him the best chance to win now, today, January, in the ACC? And this, to me, is always a fascinating topic. And for people who listen to this show, this has been a big topic. If you're an old-school listener, about a year ago, if you'll remember... I got in a big to-do with Villanova and UNC fans because I said that if I was a parent of a kid who was going to be a one-and-done, I would only send my kid to Kentucky or Duke. And if you remember, it was because there was a kid at Villanova named Javon Quinterly who was a McDonald's All-American who some believed was a one-and-done, some didn't, which is fine. And he couldn't get off the bench last year at Villanova. It was a big story. He was the first McDonald's All-American that had signed at Villanova in a couple years. And he was the highest rated player that had signed at Villanova in a couple years. But every time he came in, every time he came in, he tried to do too much. And he's taking people off the dribble. And he's missing assignments on defense. And Jay Wright would just pull him after two minutes. And it was, honestly, you felt bad for the kid. But you kind of understood Jay Wright's perspective. Roy Williams was the same way with Nasir Little. Nasir Little, the highest rated player that Roy Williams had signed in years. And Roy Williams wouldn't play him because he didn't know what he was doing when he stepped on the court. There's other coaches like this. Bill Self is like this. My buddy, I don't know if he's my buddy, whatever. Eric Musselman is like this. He signed a McDonald's All-American in Nevada and he, he wouldn't play him because he just said, you're not, like, like, I can't put you out there if you don't know what you're doing. And so I bring this up because I know it's easy. I know I defend John Calipari a lot, but this is one thing that I do give him credit for. And I give Coach K credit for him too is that John Calipari looks at his roster every year and he says, I know my freshmen are freaking killing me right now in November and December. And I'm going to lose some games that I don't want to lose. And this year it was Utah. It was certainly Evansville, although Evansville was more injuries, but it was Utah. Last year they lost to Seton Hall. Last year they got smoked by Duke. 
But John Calipari's like, dude, I got to run my best players out there. I got to let them take their lumps. I got to let them be bad on the court because my hope is that if I give them enough reps early, they will be ready to go by the end of the season. It's the same with Duke. Cam Reddish drove Mike Krzyzewski crazy. Uh, Trayvon Duvall, Frank, whoever it is. But Coach K says like, dude, I know you're only here for one year. I got to get your butt on the court and get going. And I always give those two coaches credit. And I always said, if my son wasn't one and done, those are the only two places I would send him to because I know those guys are going to live and die with their best players. Heck, you saw John Calipari do it this weekend. You could see him trying to get Khalil Whitney into that lineup to try and force him to kind of get some game reps and to get experience because he knows he's probably going to need Khalil Whitney by the end of the year. And I'm not saying that Chris Mack has any surefire one-and-dones and that he has to tear this down in the middle of the season. But I do think the interesting conversation, I started to hear it on social media on Saturday. The vets aren't getting the job done. And you have two really good high school players sitting on your bench that really aren't getting that much playing time. And I give Chris Mack credit because they have a kid, David Johnson, who, by the way, Chris Mack raved about on this show. Raved about him. During the summer when Chris Mack came on the show, he said David Johnson was ahead of schedule. He was our best freshman before he got hurt. David Johnson's back from injury, but you could see Chris Mack's trying to get him some reps, trying to get him some minutes, and he is a guard that I think by the end of the year can potentially be their best playmaker. He is a bigger kid. He's about 6'5", 6'4", somewhere in that range, and you could tell he just looks like a high major college guard, the way that a guard is supposed to look at Louisville or Kentucky or UConn or Duke or North Carolina or whatever. And Chris Mack rolled him out there the other day. Chris Mack, I think he's trying to get Sam. I saw Samuel Williamson a ton in high school. Samuel Williamson's a bucket getter. Samuel Williamson is probably the second best guy in terms of pure offensive player behind Jordan War. Hasn't really played him. Gets beat on defense. Listen, I'm not, I'm not calling out the coach on who, what his rotations are because I see it. I see that Samuel Williamson struggles off, uh, defensively. I get it. I understand that Chris Mack is in a very tough position, but I do think when we're talking about Louisville, listen, it's about, it's about what is it about? It's really kind of about the forest through the trees, right? Yeah, you can focus on what is going to get me through today. What is going to help me beat Miami and Boston College and North Carolina State and Clemson and Pitt in the ACC, or I know I'm going to have to play Texas Tech again. I know I'm going to have to play Kentucky again. I know I'm going to have to play Villanova or Gonzaga or Kansas in the NCAA tournament, and I got to have my best players ready to go. And so I think that's an interesting conversation for Chris Mack to have. And listen, I don't know if he's having it behind the scenes or not. I don't know if he's seriously thinking about it or not, but I'm looking at these guys that he's rolling out there, man. I'm saying, look, I get it. You want to be loyal to your vets. You want to give them every opportunity, but they're not performing at this level. I think he's got a very serious kind of situation on his hands where he's like, dude, I got to get these freshmen some time. I got to get them some reps and I got to figure it out. Frankly, it would have been great to do it earlier in the season. Unfortunately, David Johnson, the kid that I mentioned, was out with injury. Samuel Williamson never really got it going. So I'm not, I'm not blaming Chris Mack for anything. I just think it's some of the guys that he got just aren't performing at the level that we thought they would in the preseason. And now they have a tough, tough road ahead of them as they try to figure out what's next. But I'm telling you, I thought after that Texas Tech game, okay, we'll get a few of these guys going. We'll be fine. And it's not happening. And so it's going to be a fascinating road for Louisville. It's going to be a fascinating road to see what they do next. 
interesting kind of side note, at the same time that Louisville was playing Florida State, Kentucky was taking out Missouri. And I'll be honest, I don't really have a ton of huge takeaways from that game. Kentucky wins 71-59. But two interesting things happened there. We'll we'll just touch on them briefly because I don't think there's that much to take away from it as Kentucky does get ready to go to Georgia on Saturday on Tuesday, excuse me, which should be a really fun game. The first is shout out to Nick Richards, man. Shout out to Nick freaking Richards, dude, because Nick Richards is a guy that if you follow college basketball, you don't have to be a Kentucky fan. He is a junior at Kentucky who came in as a McDonald's All-American. And when you come in as a McDonald's All-American, nobody thinks they're going to make it to their junior year. Only here's Nick Richards. And he couldn't get off the bench as a freshman. And he took his lumps as a sophomore last year behind P.J. Washington and Reed Travis. And look at me now, if you're Nick Richards. Look at this kid. He had 21 points. And what was it, 12 boards against, um, against, uh, against Missouri the other day? I'm trying to look it up really quick. This is awful radio. I apologize. But Nick Richards, man, I just give this kid so much credit because it would have been so easy for him to take the easy way out. And I'm not trying to be like all like old guy, you know, I want it to go back to the way it used to be. But it would have been easy after his freshman year to just declare for the draft and I'll figure it out in the G League or uh, decide to transfer. I'm going to go here and I'm going to get out of Kentucky and this is never going to happen for me. Instead, look at this guy. He has come back. 21 points and 12 boards with four blocks against Missouri, 13 points, 10 boards against Louisville, and I think he was Louisville's most important player. And so I'm so happy to see that kid, and I don't know him. I've, I've been in media huddles with him, but n- never anything like crazy. I'm just happy to see that kid grow and evolve, and, and I think it's, it's, it's an incredible testament to, frankly, and I'm going to say it, the value of college basketball is that sometimes, you know, we want to rush these kids out and go pro and get that money and get that bag. And it's like, dude, some guys just take a little bit longer. And Nick Richards was an interesting case because he didn't really pick up basketball until the middle of his teens. And he gets to high school and he dominates because he's seven foot one. But then you see him on campus and you're like, dude, he's got a long way to go. So incredible for him. I'll tell you this. I know he's a little bit older for a college player. We love to draft 18, 19-year-olds. I think he's like 21. He keeps playing like this. He's going to be a first-round draft pick because he has that mid-range game. He's a rim protector. He's kind of that new-age guy that you give him another year or two, he might be able to put the ball on the floor and make plays off the the dribble. I'm not saying he'll ever be uh, Porzingis or, you know, Giannis or anything, but there aren't many 7-foot-1 guys that can hit that mid-range jumper, that can go down low, that can protect the rim, and I'm just so happy for him. The other big news out of that game, and I'll keep this brief because I don't really think there's any kind of quote-unquote analysis to give off of it, but Ashton Hagens, uh, the starting point guard, who he too has been phenomenal. I think it's been a little bit lost in the shuffle because Tyrese Maxey has had those huge games and Nick Richards has had those huge games. Ashton Hagens has been Mr. You know, uh, Mr. Steady, like Mr. Um, what's the word from Seinfeld? I'm... Uh, Even Steven. He's just Mr. Even Steven. He just every night has come to perform, and he has been so good over the last couple weeks. This is Ashton Hagen's, the point guard at the University of Kentucky. And he went down early in the game with an ankle injury, or late in the game, excuse me, and you weren't sure what it was. It looked like the worst case, and Calipari talked about this in the press conference, was that it could be uh, an Achilles, thank goodness it isn't. It's an ankle sprain, standard ankle sprain. Sounds like, as I'm recording here Sunday, he could be back as early as the Georgia game on Tuesday. I would suspect that he sits that one out and he ends up playing 
the next game that they play, um, the next game that they play this weekend against Alabama. But I give uh, him a ton of credit for just the way that he's played, and I'm just happy as a college basketball fan. I got no skin in this game. I, I, my, my salary doesn't go up if Kentucky wins or loses, but I'm just happy for a kid that has been playing so well that has matured in his sophomore year. That was the big talk when I was out in Vegas for the Ohio State-Kentucky game was how much more mature he is, how much better of a leader he is. Really happy to see that it's nothing major. I don't know that he'll play Tuesday, but I would expect him back on Saturday against Alabama. By the way, Alabama, friend of the program, Nate Oates, they opened at Florida yesterday on Saturday Lost in overtime, had to lead the entire game. I think that program is about to turn a corner. So keep an eye out for Alabama as they get set to play at Kentucky on Saturday. All right, a couple more topics before we get out of here. As I give you the, the kind of the quick rundown of everything that happened in college basketball, like I said, I wish there was a big, meaty uh, Stephen F. Austin Duke upset or um, Will Wade getting caught on wiretap or whatever. But there hasn't been, and so we're just going to talk about games. And by the way, next episode we'll talk plenty of two, and we'll have plenty of other stuff to talk about. But, 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 let's stick to the games. Let's stick to what happened this weekend. And speaking of hot takes, did you see some people coming out of left field on Memphis? Penny Hardaway? The Memphis Tigers? So for people who are kind of toggling between games... Memphis, who I don't know if you heard, has won 10 straight games since James Wiseman got suspended. They played at home on Saturday. They find out minutes before opening tip that their second leading scorer since James Wiseman has left, DJ Jeffries, who's averaging 12 points a game, isn't going to play. They're at home, and they end up losing 65-62 to the University of Georgia. And as soon as that game goes final... Oh my goodness, the takes that, well, Tennessee, uh, they're not a legitimate top 10, uh, they're not even a top 20 team, I don't know if I can have them in my top 25 next week. Really? Are you kidding me? We're, we're, we're doing this right now. We're doing the Memphis is overrated thing. And listen, I get that a lot of, and, and I say this every episode, but it's always worth repeating. I get that a lot of people don't like Penny Hardaway. I get that you don't like that he's cocky. I don't like how you 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 don't like how he's kind of taken over this recruiting thing, and now he's recruiting at a high level, and he's taking recruits from everybody uh, you know everybody else, and that he guaranteed a national championship in the preseason. But you're telling me this team isn't good. You're telling me that this team hasn't been impressive, because when I look at Memphis and Penny Hardaway, this is what I see. I see a team that lost the potential number one pick in the draft. I see a team who basically every single guy that plays on that roster is a freshman or sophomore. And you know what I see? I see a team that has won, that had won 10 straight games coming into Saturday. And they did it with a roster that is almost entirely freshmen and sophomores. And so if you want, like, I, I don't how can you criticize Betty Hardaway? By the way, throughout this run of 10 games, they beat Ole Miss. They beat NC State on a neutral court. They won at Tennessee when Tennessee had Lamonte Turner, their starting point guard, who's out for the season. Like, what do you want from this guy? You're telling me he's not a top 25 team. Are you out of your mind? And I saw two or three national writers. I'm not going to name names. One of them's a friend of this show. They're not a top 20. What are you talking about? As a matter of fact, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to give Penny Hardaway some credit. Because, again, it's easy to tear that guy down. But that guy's got a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. And every time I've watched them play... They play incredibly hard. They play incredibly competitive. They play especially hard on the defensive side of the ball. 
And anybody listening to this, if you watch college basketball, you know it's really hard to get young guys to play defense. Listen, <laughs> you know, if Kentucky played defense at a high level against Evansville and Utah, they would have one loss right now. That'd be to Ohio State. Ohio State doesn't always play good defense. Louisville doesn't always play good defense. Duke doesn't always play good defense. Memphis plays really good defense. They were number two in the country in field goal percentage defense coming into the Georgia game. And this is the guy that you want to criticize? If anything, I have been more impressed with Penny Hardaway over the last couple weeks than I was before. And I get that part of his problems were self-inflicted. You know, he cut a little check for $11,000 in moving expenses, which, again, for the thousandth time, greatest moving service ever. I want, a, I want stock in that company because I, I don't know how you, it takes $11,000 to move from Memphis to Nashville. But we're not, like, we're really going to criticize Penny Hardaway? As a matter of fact, I'm going to double down and, again, do the opposite. I think that Memphis is going to continue to win games. Now, they do play at Wichita State this week. Wichita State's a real team. I think they'll probably lose that game. But after that, I think they go on a run. I think they enter the NCAA tournament with fewer than five losses and more than 26 wins. So I think they finish 26-5, and 28-5, whatever that record ends up being. And I think they do real damage in the tournament. Because when I look at that game, I don't look at the one loss. Now, sometimes you look at a loss and you can see a microcosm of a problem coming which is Louisville losing to Texas Tech, and you bet, like, dude, they, don't, they, they, don't, they can't really score. But with Memphis, they got five guys on the, score, on the floor that can score at any time. The kid Precious Achua is awesome. He's going to be a lottery pick. DJ Jeffries, their second-leading scorer who did not play on Saturday, by the way. So you're telling me they're not, they're not a top-20 team because they lost at home by three with their second-leading scorer out. Really? Lester Quinones just came back from injury. That's the other thing. They won a bunch of games without their best perimeter scorer, Lester Quinones, even playing in these games. Damian Baugh is really good. Boogie Ellis, who was originally committed to Duke, is really good. They have a sophomore named Alex Lomax, who I love, because he comes in and he plays hard and he does all the little stuff. I love Memphis. And when I saw people saying, oh, they're, they're not a top 20, what are you talking about? Pay attention. Watch more than one game. Why, do I have, why does AT have to do all the work for everybody? I, this, is, this is driving me crazy. Last couple weeks, all I do, I put out opinions, and then two weeks later, everybody comes at me with them. I put out an opinion, and then two weeks later, people realize, oh, crap, that guy was right. That sounded like a hot take a month ago, but it really wasn't. AT just did his homework, and he's not afraid to say anything unpopular. Well, here's another one. Memphis is really good. Memphis is going to be 28-5 and entering the NCAA tournament. And all these people are saying, oh, they're not a top 20 team. They're not a top 20 team. Do some freaking homework. Pay attention. Why does AT have to do all this work for you? Memphis is really good. They're going to continue to win. They play at Wichita this week. That is a tough game, but after that, they're going to get on a roll. They actually play at South Florida on Saturday, which is supposed to be James Wiseman's first game back. As you may have heard, he's pro, so that's not going to happen. But I'm telling you, Memphis is really good. They got a bunch of dudes. I think they might be the most talented roster top to bottom or certainly in the rotation of guys that play in college basketball. That's a team I don't want in my bracket. So while other people tell you they're not in the top 20, they're one of the top 15 teams I've seen, man. One of the top 15 teams I've seen. Speaking of top teams that I've seen, how about those Michigan State Spartans? So I'm, I'm, I told you I'm going to jump around today. So I'm just going from one topic to the other, to the other, to the other. But Michigan State, over the last two games, is finally starting to look 
like the team that we all thought they would be in the preseason when everybody had them as the number one team in the country coming in. I did. Everybody did. And it was with good reason. Cassius Winston's a rock star. Xavier Tillman's versatile big guy down low senior. Aaron Henry, wing. They had some other guys I didn't know as much about. Gabe Brown, who's been awesome. Rocket Watts, freshman point guard. And they struggled early. But the last two games, they beat Illinois, who's a really good team, 76-56 at home. And then they just walloped Michigan at home on Saturday, on Sunday. And for the first time, I think we could say this team looks like the team we thought they would in the preseason. And I think they can win a national championship. On the day, Michigan State shot 52% from the field, 7 of 15 from 3. And I think that last part is the important part. If you listen to this show, if you listen every single day, every single episode, I've talked a lot about Michigan State. And my big takeaway after the Duke game, remember they, they, they played Kentucky early and we're not really sure, and then they win a couple games, they win at Seton Hall, then they go to Maui and they lose a game, but then they bounce back and win. And then they just got walloped by Duke in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And what I said at the time was, I said, look, all their points come at the rim. It's either Cassius Winston taking people off the dribble or Cassius Winston throwing alley-oops. And alley-oops are fun. I like alley-oops. I wish I could dunk, but I like alley-oops. But I said, at some point, they need wing scoring. They need perimeter scoring. They need three-point scoring. And that's what we've seen the last two games. As I said, 7 of 15 from the three-point line in the win over Michigan State on Sunday afternoon. And then the other day when they played Illinois, it was very much the same as they finished 7 of 20 from the field. Not quite as good, but still good. And so I look at this team now, and a couple things are happening. First of all, they're hitting three-pointers. They're getting contributions from guys other than Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. Uh, There's a kid named Gabe Brown who is just a monster. He had 12 points and four boards against, uh, against Illinois the other night. He had six points and six boards against Michigan. Rocket Watts, the freshman, like I said. And they're starting to get contributions from other places, and they're starting to hit three-pointers. Aaron Henry, the kid who we all thought was just going to step in after last year. He had a couple good tournament games. It took him a while, but he's playing well. And then I think there is one other thing that is at play here. It's a very serious topic, and I'm not trying to make light of it. I think Cassius Winston is back to himself, and I think it took him a while after his brother died. And I think most of you know the story, but his brother was hit by a train back, I think it was right after the start of the season. So they play Kentucky, they get home, and Cassius Winston finds out that his brother has passed away. It was very tragic. It was very sudden. Um, I believe he was hit by a train, and there was talk at the time that it may have been suicide. And, and what I was told from people behind the scenes at Michigan State was that Cassius Winston was not himself at that point, that he was not the guy. He's kind of one of these guys that he walks into a room and he lights up a room and everybody kind of circles around him and he's that guy. And they told me, they said, he hasn't been the same since that happened. And it's obviously a very serious issue. It's a very touching issue. It's certainly something that I've never dealt with, the grief that he must be dealing with. I'm sure many of you have, and I'm sure many of you have, and I'm sure many of you know the severity of what he went through when that happened. But what I was told was for about two or three weeks, he really wasn't himself. And he didn't always see it on the stat line, but if you knew him behind the scenes, whatever. And I think he's back to kind of 
compartmentalizing that or working through it. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't want to know. It's none of my business. But you look at the last couple games. 21-7 and against Eastern Michigan a few days ago. 21-6 and against Northwestern the other day against Illinois. 21.6 assists, 4 rebounds. And then the best game that he has played in his career. 32 points and 9 assists against Michigan State. He looked like the national player of the year in that game. And if he's playing at that level, Michigan State can play with anybody. So I think that's the big story with Michigan State. Two great wins. They were both at home, but they are starting to look like the team that we were all expecting in the preseason. It's because they're hitting threes. It's because they're getting um, scoring away from the rim, which spaces the floor, which gives Cassius Lane a, a driving lane. And Cassius Winston is playing the way that Cassius Winston does. I think Michigan State's one of the 10 best teams in the country right now. I'm not, I'm not going to have him in my top 10 come Monday because I do still think they need to pick up more wins. I think other teams have more impressive resumes. I don't think there's 10 teams that are playing better than them right now. All right, last kind of big topic is, speaking of nobody's playing better than, first time on the podcast. I've been doing this podcast three college basketball seasons now. First time I've talked San Diego State. But let's give San Diego State some credit. They improved to 15-0 on Saturday night. They win at Utah State, which had come into the game at 13-3 overall. Utah State had already beaten the Florida Gators. They had already beaten the LSU Tigers. They're a really good team. And San Diego State just went to Utah State without one of their best players, uh, one of their starters named Nathan Mensah. They win 77-68 in a game that really wasn't even that close. They basically had an 8 or 10 point lead the entire game, and it was never really in doubt. And so I want to talk about San Diego State for a couple reasons. One, they're really good. I tweeted this out after the game, but the pollsters have given them no respect all year. I've had them in the top 10 for a few weeks right now. They were at number 13 coming into this game. But this is a team that beat a very good Creighton team. They beat a very good Iowa team. They won at BYU, which is not easy. They won at Utah State. They've picked up a couple other nice wins along the way. They beat Utah. They beat Utah by 30 right after Utah beat Kentucky. And so if you haven't watched this team yet, what I'm going to tell you is, first of all, this. They go 11 deep, and all their guys can play. They got a wing off the bench named Matt Mitchell, who's basically started every game in the last two years. He now comes off the bench. He's one of their best players. They have a point guard, Malachi Flynn, who played at Washington State. He transferred. He averaged like 17 points a game in the Pac-12. Now he's in the Mountain West tearing it up, and they have two big guys down low. One is named Nathan Mensah, who did not play. The other is named Yanni Wetzel, who apparently played at Vanderbilt last year, although I don't remember him, but he's just a big jack dude, and they have size, they have athleticism, they can guard, and I'll tell you this, I have a buddy who coaches college basketball, obviously. He has played Gonzaga. His team has played Gonzaga and San Diego State. He told me he thinks that San Diego State is the better team. And so San Diego State, 15-0, I'm telling you, that team can play with anybody. They can give people stylistic match matchups because they're so big, they shoot the ball well, etc. And a conversation came up, and I want to give credit to my intern, Zach, because he was the first one that really said this. He said, dude, he goes, if they win at Utah State, people are going to start talking about them potentially going undefeated this season. And I was like, eh, you know, whatever. And then sure enough, they win. I saw John Rothstein say, hey, they might go undefeated. Rob Douster said, hey, they might go undefeated. And my intern, Zach, was the first one. He said it. He's like, dude, I think they might go undefeated. 
And the reason being very simply, one, they're really, really, really good. But two, Utah State is the best team in the Mountain West besides San Diego State. By the way, I think sometime I'm going to try to get Brian Dutcher, their coach on this show, neither here nor there. But the argument is they just played the second best team in this conference on the road and they won basically by double digits. They were up double digits the entire game. And if Utah State can't beat them at home, who's going to beat them? Now, I, do, I, I, do, I don't think they're going to go undefeated. Because the bottom line is, look, I like Brian Dutcher, the guy that I just mentioned, but they have a history the last couple years. They lose a game or two they shouldn't, which a lot of teams do. Listen, Memphis lost to Georgia. Kentucky lost to Evansville. Duke lost to Stephen F. Austin. It happens, but to ask a head coach to have his team ready for 31 nights, 34 nights a year going into the NCAA tournament, I just don't think it's realistic. I also think the Mountain West is probably a little bit better than people realize. New Mexico is really talented, and they have to go play at New Mexico on January 29th. They actually play three road games and four, three out of four games are on the road, including at New Mexico, and then they play Utah State right after that at home. And so I bring it up because I do think they're going to lose eventually, but the conversation has begun. I don't see it, but I can see why the conversation happening is happening because Utah State was the best team left on their schedule. They end up winning. Last little topic, by the way, I don't really want to get into too much of it, but Gonzaga got a huge commitment this week. Five-star point guard Jalen Suggs, who I think you could argue is actually the best athlete in high school basketball. He was also a five-star quarterback. He's not going to play college basketball. Committed to Gonzaga. Great athlete, explosive athlete, great off the dribble, highest ranked player to ever commit to Gonzaga. It's incredible because I talked about this the other day. Gonzaga only has one McDonald's All-American that's ever committed to the school out of high school. That was at Collins a few years ago. They've never had a player who is a consensus five-star player. This kid's going to be it. Now, it'll be interesting to watch because he is one of these kids that has been very vocal about, I'm thinking about this pro option. I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know when I'll decide, but we're going to talk to people. We're going to see what the options are. We're going to see what it looks like. I know RJ Hampton. He's my buddy. So it's possible, but huge recruiting win for Gonzaga, and uh, they got the best player in the history of the program. So I think that's it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Fun show. As I said, I bounced around three, four, five different topics. It's what I do. I'm AT. I freaking rock. Remember, I don't do hot takes. I can just see into the future. And you know what I see? Another great show coming later this week. So if you're not subscribed to the show, make sure to subscribe. iTunes, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Tune in radio, Spotify, wherever you listen to shows. Make sure to rate and review. Give us a quick five stars, like all of our new friends did, including Rico Pico, as well as my new buddy, Yes, Yes, No. Yes, Yes, Maybe. Give us a quick five stars. Follow me on Instagram, where all I do is hand out winners and give you guys cash. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Sending questions at Aaron Torres Podcast Questions. By the way, last week, last episode, I started the shout-out of the day. So two quick shout-outs today. First, I want to give a shout-out to Leonard Hamilton, Florida State head coach. Nobody ever talks about this guy. Did you know they said this on the broadcast? I couldn't believe it. By the end of this season, Leonard Hamilton will be one of the five all-time winningest coaches in ACC history. One of the five winningest coaches in ACC history. This is an ACC game. So like somebody like Jim Beheim doesn't count because most of his games weren't in the ACC. But it's Roy Williams, Dean Smith, Frank McGuire, Coach K, and Leonard Hamilton. And you know what else about Leonard Hamilton? He's 71 years old. 
He's like two years younger than Jim Beheim. First of all, he looks amazing. I want to know what he does. I don't know if he moisturizes. I don't know what the secret is. Whatever. Not my business. But he's also coaching his butt off. Whereas Jim Beheim, it feels like Jim Beheim's kind of a little bit checked out at this point. Leonard Hamilton's coaching his you-know-what off. I want to give him a shout-out. Also, a quick shout-out to Penny Hardaway. You know why? Even though they lost yesterday, even though they lost to Georgia, they wore the throwback Memphis State uniforms. And I don't care what you think of Penny Hardaway. Throwback Memphis State uniforms is pretty badass. So shout-out to Penny Hardaway for the Memphis State uniforms. And I think that's it. So again, subscribe, rate, review, give us a quick five stars. Hit us up on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Questions at Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Shout out to my guy, Torrent Craig. Shout out to everybody that doesn't like my voice. Rachel that doesn't like my voice. Shout out to Stu who doesn't like me because I'm not a Kentucky fan. And I will be back later this week, probably honestly, to talk a little Tua as well as this monster college basketball slate. But I think that's it. That's all. Everybody have a great day. We'll talk soon. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.